Wow. You know, just, uh, I, was, I don't know if you've seen, they've made a lot of changes in the children's church in the front building. And uh, I went through this week, and I hadn't seen, seen some in a while. And just went back there, and I, I just want to tell you, I just want to, you just don't know, we have the greatest children, volunteers, and ministers in all this area. I'm telling you, come on, we need to give it up for them. And, you know, if I was a kid, I'd want to come. And I'd get, and you know, my mom used to give me 25 cents, and you know, for the offering. And sometimes I'd have the Wicked Witch of the East be my Sunday school teacher. And she goes, she ain't getting my 25 cents. But, uh, you know, it just, it's so neat to see... You know, the kids get touched, and it's not about red Kool-Aid and little fishies. It's about them really, really understanding the heart of God and what God is doing in their lives and what God, what direction God wants in their lives. And so I'm so excited, and just to let you know, just be praying. I mean, these next few months, it's a real challenge because we're actually growing out of the children's building as we speak, you know. And so we know that, you know, let me, let me just say this. The next couple of months, I just want to, how many of you know, Pastor, what do you, what's been going through your mind? What's kind of... Anybody want to know? If you don't care, that's okay. Just how many want to know? You don't want oh, everything going through my mind. But anyway, but uh, I give just that when I look at the, the needs of the church, how many of you like to have a nice parking lot? Huh? How many? How many? I, I've had ladies tell me, said Pastor Bubba, they come in, I hate this parking lot. And when I wear heels, I think I'm going to break my foot. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, and so one of the things is we do have plans. We've been working on some things with the parking lot and how to get that, how to build one. And so I want you to be praying about that. And we will talk to you about how you can help be a part and partner with us to do that. And also build a new children's ministry center. Wouldn't that be awesome? Good. I'm glad, I'm glad Joe's. I'm glad Joe. See, when you don't have kids or anything, let, let me just say this. One of the neat things I was talking to a guy that's a a banker in town, and he just, he said, I drive by your place, and I just see more and more cars there all the time, and see what you're doing, and it just, it, it really, he said, I need to come check you out sometimes, and, you know, I said, well, come on, come check me out, and, and I'm thinking, you can check me out, but I just hope God, you hope you check out God and what he can do in your life and stuff, and so for me this morning, I just want to share with you this morning is really something that's on my heart, and and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks of just being able to go through the series, uh, the glory of God. And I, I just I, I'm just telling you, you need I'm just saying this. God, God is doing things and God is going to continue to do things. But God just wants to reveal himself. You know, when we were singing, show me your glory. How many of you like that? That little phrase in the last thing I looked at my wife and go, that's a dangerous prayer to pray or to sing. Show me your glory, God. How many of you know that? And I'm not saying, woo, scary. I'm talking about when God shows up, you begin to realize what you, you, you know, your deficiency and how you need God. You know, and a lot of times we cry out, God, bring something, bring revival, bring. But, you know, when God brings revival, and I believe that, I want that. But when God brings that, God begins to reveal who we are and our great need for God and his, and his strong hand in our lives. And so this morning, what I want to do before I start that series, I just want to share with you this morning, and if you're writing out a title and you're looking for a title of it, and I, I encourage you to get your notebook and your pen, and, and, I, and I'm going to stick with some scriptures this morning, but if you're looking for a title, it's called A Strong Life. I just want, you know, sometimes, you know, when I think about things that are strong growing up, there are things that are strong. When I was a kid, it was Superman. 
Remember Superman? I used to watch Superman in black and white. And uh, I remember that I'd have to have the little, you know, the little antennas and stuff, you know, the rabbit ears and with the foil on the end and make sure it touches that, that metal piece on your window and all that so you can get it. And uh, I remember, and it was Lassie, and I mean, I, I, you know, and it's like, but I remember just Superman, the man of steel, faster than a locomotive, stronger. I mean, just all those things. And I just like, I get so pumped, I'm a good Superman. And you know, the cool thing is my, my son, Nathan, is my fourth son. He has every, every, what, what is it, uh, superhero costume you could have. And now Luke breaks him out. Now my grandson, Tracy saved him. My grandson visits Eli. He breaks him out. He's Spider-Man, Spider-Boy, Bat-Boy, Super-Boy. I mean, all that stuff. And it's just neat. And it's like when you feel that way, you feel invincible. You know what I'm saying? You're just like, I'm strong. And, 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 you know, but the incredible thing is, is that, you know, the book of Philippians, and that's where I want to go this morning. And it's Paul. He begins to write about him being in prison. And it was written in 60 AD. He's, it's, a, it's really called the, the, it shouldn't be called Philippians. It should be called the prison epistle. And because and, he was there in prison for two years in chains. And he wrote this book. He was guarded for two years, night and day. But, you know, I, I realize this. In our lives, to get strong, you can't just hang out at Starbucks or sit in a sauna. There has to be pressure in your life. Amen? Ooh, somebody ain't happy. But anyway, a little pressure fixing to be applied. But anyway. But see, the most important thing is for us is that in order for us to grow, sometimes there has to be pressure. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you like pressure? No one likes pressure. But you know what? I know this in pressure. I mean, you know, I can go and I meet with people, drink coffee, spend time with me, lunch or in a blind or whatever I'm doing. And when I'm there, I just know this is it. We can talk. We can share all these things. But until there's pressure applied into your life, there's not going to be any growth or desire to grow or a need to look for something greater than yourself. I mean, you're talking about and the pressures of life do that. I love to see young people go out on their own. And when they go out on their own, they think they know everything about life. I mean, I'm talking about. And you say, that was me at one time. You're going to attack the world. I'm strong. I'm going to show my mom and daddy. They, I'm, I'm the man. Wah! You know what I mean? And you get out there. And I mean, you're not all the man. And you know, there are two ways we grow. It's either through revelation, which most of us. It takes us a while, but the only way you get revelation many times is through the tribulation that you face and that you go through. Amen? And I call my, my son will call me sometimes. I'm, like, I'm not going to tell you who it is. He's my third son. But anyway, he'll call me sometimes when I'm running out of money. He's got more money than all of us. I'm running out of money. I'm running out of money. And, I, and it's like, and it's like yeah, and it's, well, I got to pay this. I got to pay that. Uh, Dad, I got a ticket in, in Arizona for 200, what, $377 for five miles over the speed limit. Don't go to Arizona to get a speed ticket through Yuma because that's where all the retirement people. So the cops get excited. Five miles. We got to pull them over, Joe. Come on, Barney. Anyway. And so anyway, you know, he's paying that, deposits, all that. And it's like, it's like. Financial pressure coming in, like, oh, all this I've saved, all this I've, you know. And he's wanting to get married, you know. And so that puts pressure on you, doesn't it? And so, you know, I, I've learned that, you know, whether you're weightlifting, you're running, or you're swimming, if there's going to be progress in your life, there has to be that word pressure. Pressure. Tension. How do muscles grow? Through, through resistance. 
through resistance. And you know, all of us grow through resistance. How many of you know, let, let me just say this before I get in the message. How many of you know in marriage that you think, you, I love to counsel people when they, before they get married because, you know, they go, oh, they're just perfect. They don't do anything wrong. They're just perfect. How many, come on, how many of you were deceived? Okay. And, you know, it's, I'm not saying that they're not good, they're wonderful to be married to, but they're just not perfect. And that's what marriage does. It adds tension sometimes. Have you been in marriage tension before? Come on, no one in here? Pray for me. And marriage tension, but what it does, it gets out the junk that's in you. Come on. Let me take my It gets out the junk that's in you. Sometimes it's called, you know what junk is? Selfishness. And you know what will keep you from growing? From you being selfish. Selfish. You know what destroys a marriage? Me. Me first. Me only. Selfishness. This is not a marriage series, okay? We got that probably in February, all right? But the incredible thing is for all of us is to be able to grow. You see, tension and pressure, listen to me, are strength builders. They're strength builders. You see, in this world, you will have trouble. How many of you know you got trouble in this world? And, and, but adversity will come. It's not whether it, if it's going to come or it might have come or I don't, you know, it's coming. You may get a bill, and I'm not prophesying over anybody this morning. You may get a bill that you weren't expecting. You ever have one of those? It comes in the mail, and it visits you, and it messes up your world. What? find out something happened and the kids did something or something happened with the, you know what I'm talking about? How did that happen? $400 water bill. Then you realize you have a leak under your house. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody been there? You know? And it's like all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's a guarantee. Trouble will come in adversity. And I don't want it to come to you, but I, I'll just pray this. I pray the right kind of adversity comes to you so you can grow and you can depend on God and his strength. Amen? I'm not going to get a lot of amens on that. But see, I love what John says, John. He says, I told you all this so that this is Jesus. He said, recorded through John, so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials And sorrows, that word sorrow means agony. But take heart. He says, because I have what? I have overcome the world. And he's saying, you know why he's saying that? He said, if I've overcome, you can overcome through me, with me, and in me. You can overcome. God doesn't just tease us and say things. God doesn't send the problems, but sometimes he allows us to go through them. You see, the pressure we face can expose things we need to be dealt with, like wrong attitudes. How many of you have had a bad attitude and just pressure, it got out, it came out of you? You know what I mean? Just like, let me just say, how many of you have ever said an adjective that you really didn't mean to say, but it came out because of pressure? Come on. I remember I've been saved for three weeks. And I, was, I went to Waco, Texas. I didn't do it. It wasn't the Koresh and all them then. It, just, it wasn't the Branch Davidians. And, and I was going through this disciple school three weeks after I got saved, you know. And I was like going through this three-week disciple. 
pressure. And they had us work one day, and I was around the church. And, I mean, I'd just been saved, clean up my language. And I'd been smoking up until, you know, a couple of weeks before that and selling drugs, all that stuff. And here I am, I'm digging these, in this flower bed at this church. And, there's and all of a sudden, something happens to me, and I kind of cut my finger. And all of a sudden, and then I did something, I kicked something. You know, I'm like just one of those goofy moments where it's like everything goes wrong at one moment. And all of a sudden, I blurt, and here's all these Christian kids, you know. And I go, oh, play! They're all like. And I'm like, man, I'm sorry. I remember the guy that was my counselor, he's his gym. He says, you know, one thing I've learned. He said, I'm just, it's good that it came out so you can learn to deal with it. But he says, the one thing I, I enjoy, you're not religious. You just let it out. Now, I'm not telling you if you need some freedom. I'm not saying go, you know, we got liberty. No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is pressure brings out things in us, attitudes, even motives, areas of compromise. You know, God begins to show us things in our lives that we compromise even through the pressures of life. And go, wait a minute, I don't need to be doing that anymore. Listen, it's not me. It's not look at me. I don't want to come and tell you all the do's and don'ts in your life. Can I just make that clear? I want you to be led by the the spirit of love. Because see, God's love is the greatest force in the universe. God has not called me. Listen to me. Look at me. God has not called me to clean fish. That's his job. God's called me to catch fish. And if there's areas in your life that's going to help you swim a little better, come on through this life. That's my job, okay? Come on, you need to adjust that fin over here. You need to do this. You know what I'm saying? It's catch and release. I don't like doing that. I like to catch fish and clean them and eat them. But but that's what God does. He catches you. Then he begins to work in you. And he releases you. And you walk in his grace and his power and in his love. And that's what's attractive to people. See, Trials, I mean, just I hate to say this, but it can be. How do you know trials can be very beneficial? I love all these amens this morning. You know, trials can be beneficial. They really can. Thinking about a lady this morning, I just want to stop. Her name is Ella. We need to pray for her. Say Ella. She's battling cancer. Her hemoglobin is levels are like very, very low. And just, I just want, I want to stop and pray for her this morning. We need to pray for Brennan, Gott, BJ, and Megan's little boy. Uh, he just had a new, they had a, last year he had a stint put in and they had to go in and do emergency surgery because it wasn't working. Trace and I went to visit them Friday and they had to do some things. And some, she saw, I, she called me this morning and just said, Pastor Bob, could you just please have the church pray? Her grandfather died during the whole process. And his funeral's today at Matthews and Sons. And so after church, if you want to go by there and just wish them well, just pop in and say, we're so, you know what I'm saying? She's very close to her grandfather. And she had to leave her son at the hospital, which a mom, how I many you know that's, that's traumatic for a woman? Come on. And so can we just stop and pray for Brennan and stop and pray for Ella right now? Father, I just thank you. I, we, Lord, we come as a church and we pray for Ella. I, t- I told Brian, my friend, that I pray for her. And Father, and I would have the church. Just say it out loud. Say, Ella. 
Father, we pray for Ella this morning that you would just work a miracle. She's, given, she's received 60 pints of blood in the last three months to be able to overcome these tumors that, 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 that keep bleeding and keep doing things and this cancer. And Lord, we just we curse cancer in Jesus' name. And we pray for healing virtues, healing grace. We pray for your miracle power in her, in her life. Lord, that it would be a touch, you'd be a shining testimony of your hand being on someone's life. Just say, we say, Brennan. Father, we pray. Say, Father, we pray for Brennan, Lord, right now. We pray that, God, that you would come and you would touch this, this young boy's life. We pray, Father, in this area where he's had these stents in the back of his head to, to drain the fluid, that this procedure would actually be the very one that would work, Lord. They've walked through things. They've walked through trials and moments. But, Lord, we come together as a church, as a body, as a family of believers. And, God, believing that, God, that if we cry out to you, that you hear us. And not only do you hear us, but you answer prayer. And, God, we're just proud. Many of us are products of, of, of people that prayed for us with broken hearts, with a burden, with desire for us to, to see our lives change or to have a miracle. And we pray that for, for Brennan this morning. We pray that for Ella. And we pray for those that God, that are even here this morning. So I wish you'd just pray for me. I pray for those this morning and underneath their breaths are just going, I need a touch from God. Touch them, I pray. Move upon their circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, trials can be beneficial. It's not the trial that matures us. It's the response that we give that makes the difference in our trials. It's a response. Sammy, it's a response. I mean, David, I mean, you look at David when he faced Goliath. You know, that the Bible says he picked up five rocks. You know, Goliath had four brothers. He was ready for Goliath and his brothers. But he faced adversity. There was a guy that was huge. It was big. It was overwhelming. Called him, a, called him a dog. You know what I mean? Called him out. Your mama. And what he did is, he, he, you know, it's like, and let me just say this. The Christian race is the only one in the world that begins at the finish line. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. Come on. Are you hearing me? There's a difference. Most people... Even in church, they try to put us in a defensive mode. Oh, God, the devil, ah, put my shield up, put my sword. Where God's going, no, wait a minute, you fight from victory, son. Daughter, you fight from victory. You overcame this, come on. How many of you know that God helps us to overcome when we're young? And then, and, and, uh, let me ask them, how many of you did some stupid things before you knew the Lord? How many, maybe more than five stupid things? Come on, the rest of you, I'm still waiting for your hand to come up. Because I see the spirit of stupid written on your forehead. But anyway, just, no, I'm teasing. But you know what? For some of us, we just do stupid stuff. But God takes us out of that stupid stuff that we did. Come on. And he begins to do something in us. And that's what called maturity. He brings you to places. And all of a sudden, you have a track record of some victories in your life. And that's to make, how many of you know that a lot of times as a Christian in our walk that we get amnesia from what God has done before? That is a weapon the enemy uses. Where's God now? Oh, God, where are you? You He's the same God. Listen to me. I'll just say this. God is the same God that delivered me from myself, my selfishness, and my sins. And he's the same God that healed my body from cancer. He's the same God. He's the same God. He's the same God that delivered you from your mindsets, from your habits, from your anger, from your disorder, just your stuff. 
your junk. He delivered you. And go what? Guess what? You got to walk from victory. Jesus was already he's already overcome. No wonder he says, "Be of good cheer." That's not, you know, cheering your beer with somebody. He's saying, "Be of good cheer." Me in other words, it's like, "Come on, man. We can do this through him." Listen, you know my greatest desire for everyone in there that you experience the life flow of the spirit of God living inside of you. How many of you know a church can't give you that? A person can't give you that except for the person of Jesus. And he said, hey, man, you're not alone. I'm going to leave the comforter. The Holy Spirit, he's going to guide you, teach you, instruct you, help you, cover your backside with things you don't see coming. You know what? He's there for you. And so this morning, what I want to do, I want to talk about four ways to respond to adversity. Is that all right? Okay, so what I'm going to talk about, I'm going to go quick. I'm going to, if you can go with me to Philippians chapter 1, and I'm going to stay there. Okay? I'm going to read several verses, but right now I just want to read the first verse. I'm going to talk about. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. I want you to know, this is what I'm going to go ahead and read for time's sake. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped spread the good news. I had a lady from Lake Charles call me yesterday. I was in Baton Rouge and went and saw the Tigers. Come on, go Tigers. Come on. Don't clap too loud. My wife's from Washington. We beat the Huskies anyway. And, uh, and, and so I'm getting a call and this lady calls me and she says, Pastor Bubba, I heard the news. Andrew, this is my second son, told me what happened to you. And this lady had been praying for me and she gave me some of this, this stuff to take to help me anyway. And so, but she'd been praying. She goes, I heard the good news and and she was just like, she says, two weeks ago, I promise you, she said, two weeks ago, I've been praying for you, God heal you. But two weeks ago, God, it's like I felt something in my heart, in my spirit to say, stop praying for him and start praising me for what I've done for him. And she, I didn't even know she was in Houston. And I heard the good news and I'm just calling Pastor Bubba because I've been praying and I just wondered, I felt terrible. I thought, I'm not praying for him, I'm just... I said, oh, no, no. I said, keep the praising going, man, because it's just God. And see, Paul was a good finder. What do you mean? He always found the good in people. Let me ask you a question. I'll be honest with you. How many of you know when your children give you problems, it's hard to find good in them sometimes? Okay, just me? How many are you talking about? When it's all kinds of stuff going on and we forget the good. I brought you in this world. I'm going to take you out too. You know, get all that stuff. You know, we get all, you know, with sons, you know, it's kind of different because, you know, I have a thin hallway in my hallway. And when they get older, they kind of taunt you. They kind of do their shoulder. You know, you walk down the hallway together and give you that shoulder bump. You know what I'm talking about? And as a daddy, you know, you got to walk down the hall, go, bam, come on. Mess with the old man. There's just something about that old man factor. You know what I mean? You don't know what an older man's going to do. Now, a young man, he's going to jump on you. An old man, he's, gonna be, he's like an old dog on the porch. Y'all run around. You know, the puppies can use all the energy. That old man just takes one good swap. You see, he was a good finder. He trained himself to see the good 
in every situation. Can I be honest with you? I don't always see the good in every situation. Do you? But Paul did. I have friends like that. I have friends that, you know, I have a friend, Daniel Savala. guy was playing. He, had, he was playing this guitar. I'm not going to play the guitar for y'all, but he was, the guy was playing. And, 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 and the guy got up to sing, and he had like one of those tiny Tim voices. You know, that my general, just like a bad Bob Dylan on a bad song. I mean, Bob Dylan. I like Bob Dylan's songs, but I just don't like. You know, I mean, and, and he was singing and everybody in the crowd in the church just going, oh my gosh. Oh, wow. And people are kind of talking, that's terrible. And at the end of the service, my friend went up to him. He said, man, let me just tell you something. You played that guitar so awesome. Keep playing that guitar. And I think, why didn't you tell him to shut up and just play the guitar? You know, because he said, you played the guitar. And no one, because he, he was so terrible. Everybody just noticed his voice. You understand what I'm saying? My friend looked for something good and he said, yeah, you play the guitar great. Paul was a good finder. Paul could, Paul could have responded even through the trials of wondering and questioning God. But he, li- he could have lived in the land of why. Why? You ever have kids when they get young? Why? Why? Well, because, you know, because this. And why? I mean, Zach used to do that to me. Drive me crazy when I was young. Why? Why? Now he has a son that does that to him. The generational blessing is passed. Why? He goes, why does he always? Because you asked that why. And I prayed for you that you would have a son just like you. Anyway. Why? He's still asking me why, Dad. Anyway, just. You know, when he became discouraged and maybe got a little depressed, he could have lost hope and began to fall apart, but he didn't. He could have allowed murmuring and complaining, you know, to and, and lost self-control. But see, I want you to tell me the second thing. So the first thing is, look at me. You need, number one is you need to be positive. Need to be positive. What do you mean? Just because you're going through a trial doesn't mean you fall apart. You got to be positive. Look, I could say this. When I found out, when they gave me the, the diagnosis, literally, I promise you this. My wife is my witness. When they told me you, you have cancer. And the first thing I like when I had it the second time, you know, it's like because the first time oh, we can deal with this. And the second time, like I wouldn't, it was just it caught me off guard. You know what I'm saying? And I remember in the doctor's office, I just got on my knees. And I go and I lifted my hands. I go, God, the battle's yours. And at that moment, I got up and I looked at the doctor and I told her, I said, God's going to work a miracle. Did I know that for a fact? Look at me. No. Am I Superman? No. What did you do the first night, Pastor Bubba? Me and Tracy cried. I'd like to say, yeah, come on, woman of God. We're going to be strong. Come on, fist bump. No, that morning, y'all didn't know, but we knew. And I was starting out on a marriage series. So guess what? I'm thinking, sitting at my desk, trying to study my last minute notes and everything, thinking about, I might not be, well, I might not be with my wife for the rest of my life. It made me think about how blessed I am to have an incredible wife and the children. You know, and it was an emotional moment. And I, she came in, I cried. She started crying. We started praying. We got the victory. You understand what I'm saying? 
But through all of that, people were watching, are watching me. And they're watching you. Because they're like, even when I talk to that, that banker, they say, hey, uh, preacher, I, I heard you had some problems. How do you know word passes quick? I said, well, I did. I did. But God healed me. What? How many people think you're weird if God healed you? Uh Uh-huh, Jeff, right. He goes, well, who's going to take your place? I'm like, I've got plenty of people. I've got stallions in the stall. Amen? And this morning, listen, our Eunice campus is celebrating five-year anniversary of being a campus here in Eunice. Come on. Give them a hand. Pastor Josh is over there. Pastor Josh is bringing the word. So the second thing is stay. Not only, first thing, stay positive. The second thing is stay purposeful. What do you mean? Look at with me in Philippians verse 13 through 18. He says, for everyone here, including the whole palace guards, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. He said, they know why I'm here. It's not a mystery to them. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's the truth. Some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know they have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerity, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. And I continue to rejoice. You know, the cool thing is, the very guys that were the guards for Paul, they had a rotation of every six hours they'd change. Every one of those guards, it's recorded in history, gave their life to Christ. And those are the guards that stood around the Roman Empire. And they were the top, they were like the, they were like the Navy SEALs or Delta Force to America. They were the top guards. And God wrecked their lives. And they, and they started proclaiming, how did the gospel get? As Philip, as, as Paul standing in jail in chains writing these letters, these guys are watching him. And as they're watching, you go, how can this guy be so joyful? How can he go? And Paul's saying, you know, there's people that are preaching the gospel. They have bad motives. How many you know they have people even today that we could go and, they, you know, we, we kind of question their motives sometimes? Or we wonder what's going on that's kind of goofy or whatever. But God's, this is what Paul said, hey, the gospel's going out. Jesus is being preached. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Why, why would he say something like that? Listen to me. Let me, let me, let me do a survey. How many of you have ever been hurt? In church. I'm not saying you got cut because you were you refused to give tithe and you were going to do the offering thing and all that. I'm not talking about someone slapped you. I'm just talking about something that was said, something that was done, something you experienced. It, just, it was painful. How are you talking about? And can I tell you something? If you stay here long enough, I'll probably hurt you too. Can I just be brutally honest? I don't mean to. I don't want to. But sometimes I might not say the right thing. In fact, I may say something you don't like. 
But that's, can I just tell you this? My desire for you is that you hear the love of God and you allow the love of God to change your life forever. And no matter what comes your way, because let me tell you, Jesus even said offenses will come. You will be offended. But it's what we do with those offenses. It's what we do with those things. And we need to have the right perspective. Paul stayed on task. He maintained priorities. He kept on mission. He kept his head in the game. And see, for some of us, we allow those things to be distractions. And we don't put our head and our heart where it needs to be in the game of life. Hello. How does the enemy want to distract you? By getting you distracted by someone coming along and hurting you or saying something to you. Come on. How many of y'all talking about? I, I, can't, I can't even tell you things that people have said to Tracy and I over the years being pastors. And you just go, man, that was very hurtful. And then, you know, I'm like, God, how can you say something like that? I've had people, they got mad at a certain situation. They cussed me out. And can I say something? At that point, I wanted to stop and say, God, can we just have a timeout? Can I cuss them out a little bit? Because it sure would feel good. What was his mission? What was the game? To spread the gospel. The gospel is the good news. He didn't see himself as a victim. He saw himself as a conqueror. Of in Christ Jesus. See, a lot of times we look at ourselves, well, I'm just a victim of my circumstance. I'm a victim of... Listen, you know what? No, you're not. You're a victor in Him. It's if you put your heart and your perspective in the right place. Am, am I making sense here? See, the perspective is that we go outside and we go, wow, how can God just love me when you look at the big sky and the stars? And, you know, in, in, in the, the sun is so big that you can put a million and three hundred earths inside the sun. That's crazy. And then there's there's stars that are bigger than the sun. And we think, how could God just I mean, that's that's huge. Same say huge. Sometimes we just allow things to just overwhelm us. It reminds me of the guy that got caught teal hunting a couple years ago. He was just overwhelmed. Stood before the judge, and the judge says, How come you shot 52 teal? And the limit, how many is the limit? Four? Mikey, is it four or six? Well, what did we kill? No, anyway, just. And I love the man. And it was happening here in Jennings, I heard, I was told. He said, may you honor. He said, they just kept coming and coming. What's a man going to do? <laughs> We're going to put a man-made, put you in a man-made jail. <laughs> you know, see, Paul said, even in Ephesians, I am in chains now. Still preaching the message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. See, he spread the gospel for, through the guards. See, Paul couldn't speak to the Roman Empire, but he preached to those guards, and those guards gave their lives to Christ. And these were respected men in the kingdom, and they spread the gospel. And see, they spread it to the palace and to the emperor and beyond. 
If you stay on mission, you can handle. Let me tell you what you can handle. Let me give you a list. You can handle failure. How many have ever failed at doing something? I was, you know what? If you have God on your side, you can walk through failure. I have a guy that I know. His name is uh, uh, Paul Daniels. And his, he got saved at Billy Graham crusade. He only comes to a church one time. One time. He's a billionaire from Australia. He's a banker. He started out, he couldn't read, he couldn't write. And he got saved at a Billy Graham crusade. And in that Billy Graham crusade, he went, after that, he went and bought a dictionary to learn how to read words and know the definition and had people help him. He said God divinely opened his eyes and he began to see. And his goal in life, listen to me, and he said, his goal in life was to give more money away for the gospel to be preached than any man that's ever lived before. How many of that might be a good, good goal? But he talked about how he went through bankruptcy and failure, even in the midst of that goal of being a Christian businessman three times. Failure. One time, this is a true story, he actually called 10 of the 10 churches around America that he thought that would be deserving. And he said, if I can get to the senior pastor, I'll give them, I'll, I'll bless that church with $100,000 if I can have a conversation with the senior pastor. He called those 10 churches and, and you know, he talked who he was, he was a financer, and just wanted to be able to talk to the pastor and everything. And out of those 10 churches, no pastor called him back. One secretary called back, and what was your name again? And who are you? Listen, at our church, I answer the phone sometimes, just in case he calls. <laughs> you can go through relational breakups, and that's tough. They say that divorce, I'm a product of a child that had parents of divorce. And sometimes things happen and it's tough and there's breakups and there's divorce and there's that, that hardship and all the complications that go with that. And most people that have had a divorce hate what, they, what the things that they have to go through. And, and, and I understand that. But God can help you through that. That's not the final failure in life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can walk through financial loss. You can, lo- you can lose a loved one. And it's, tar- it's hard, it's difficult sometimes. You can face rejection. How many of you had a little rejection in your life? Anybody? Come on, anybody ever been rejected? Anybody ever told you, oh, I ain't going to make it. Imprisonment. Adversity attempts to get you back off. What God has called you to do. That's what adversity does. It gets you off course. It kind of help, it makes you want to steer the ship somewhere else. The third thing. So the first thing is having a, being positive. The second thing is stay purposeful. The third thing is maintain. I, I said, I, I, meant, I meant maintain perspective. Philippians. Verse 19 through 26 says, For I know that as you pray for me, the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me. This will lead to my deliverance. For I am fully expected in hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ 
as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living, living for Christ and dying is even better. They'd be happy about life. You know, you got to be you got to be full of joy and you got to realize that my, your identity, your identity lies solely in Christ. And it goes on verse 22. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two, two desires. I long to go be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Listen, I thought about that scripture when I was walking through cancer. It's like, there's times, can I be honest with you? There's times like, I, Lord, it'd be great to go to heaven. I'm ready. I am. I talked to my friend that found out he had can- inoperable cancer. That they what's the worst can happen? Heaven's heaven. <laughs> he goes, what's the way? Ain't nothing wrong with that. But then I look around and I, I look at people and people that I love, especially that my brown-eyed girl. That, you know, that I, I, I don't, I don't want to grow old with that lady. I want, I want all those things I said in church to come true when I'm getting old and we walk in the mall holding hands, and when someone looks, I slap her on the butt. Not hard. I want my grandkids to see that I'm affectionate with their grandmother. And like my kids used to tell, you are sick. And I said, one day you'll be sick like me. Verse 25, knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he's doing through me. See, when you go through adversity, you have to understand it's just temporal. And that's the hard thing. It's a temporary moment. Temporary. You know, I know so many people that have failed, but what they did is they gave themselves into something that brought temporary pleasure for a season. And then in the payback was, was a life of misery and despair and heartache. How many of you are talking about? But you know what? We've got to see that whatever we're walking through is temporary. Say it with me. Say temporary. Understand that heaven is our home. That's hard to, you know, you know, because we like things around here and everything. And they say everything on earth is temporary. It's not eternal. It's not going to last. Look at the back. You see, if you look at the back of this book right here in Revelations, you know what it says? We win. I love what Revelations says. He will, he will wipe away tears from your eyes and there will be no more death and no more sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever and i i never wondered that what it, god what about that mean aunt i had i had one of those her name was mabel be honest with you she just wasn't happy she was mean you ever have one of them mean people being in your life come on be honest with you and she'd babysit us all the time i wonder what my parents were doing like payback, you know. 
We're going to bring Mabel. Oh, not a Mabel. I mean, if it rained and it would thunder or lightning, and she was she was okay in school, you know what I mean? No mercy, no. I mean, she goes, mm-hmm. You know what happens when it thunders? She used to tell us this. And it lightnings, and you're afraid? That means God's mad at you. <laughs> I don't want to be afraid. I'm more afraid of you than the thunder. <laughs> I mean, you get hurt, she went, get up. Wipe it up and quit crying. <laughs> and you just like, God, who you worshiping? You know, the thing is, when I think about heaven, that when we get to heaven, will we, will we have a memory of those that aren't there? You ever wonder that? You know, the Bible says he's going to change our minds and our memory. There's not going to be any sorrow. And see, the last thing is, see, be positive. Stay purposeful. Maintain perspective. And the last thing is, remain powerful. What do you mean, Pastor Bob? Look, look at, let me just wrap this up. Philippians 1, verse 27 and verse 30. It says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or or only hear about you. I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Here's verse 28. I like this. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. You need to learn. This will be a sign to them that you're going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. See, if you're being attacked, it's just proof the enemy sees you as a worthy target. And it's proof you're making an impact somewhere. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have been attacked this week? When you get attacked, look at me. When you get attacked, you got to react. Because see, this is how the enemy does. How I many you know it's, you know, we all know the, the book, the famous book Joyce Myers wrote, The Battlefield of the Mind. And that's where everything starts. Okay? That's not an original title, okay? It's just The Battlefield of the Mind. It's a, it's a statement she makes. And we all know that the battle starts right here. And sometimes the enemy logs our memory in our mind and puts things there. That happened just when we were young or sad or something someone did or something. You know what I'm saying? And then through that, he tries to get to our heart and our motives and the way we live and the way we make decisions and choices. That's how it gets to us. And see, the thing he's saying is that, man, don't allow your mind. Come on. To control what you do. That's why the Bible says, Put on the what? The mind of who? Christ. Was Jesus ever tempted? Come on, be honest with me. Remember the desert? The, the enemy came and attacked him 40 days after he'd been fasting 40 days. How many of you ever fasted more in a day? How about two days? Does your stomach growl? Some of you might need to fast a few days. I mean, anyway, just... No intent. Just let the Lord lead. Anyway, just... 
But, you know, the thing is, is that here he is. And the very last thing, you know, he offered him, what did he offer him? Food. The obvious. Because, you know, his mind was weak. But you know what? He was strong in the word. He knew his father. And let me tell you something. Listen, if you serve God and seek him in the easy times, look at me. It's going to be a whole lot easier to find him when you face the hard times. I mean, I'm telling you. If you could, because I'm telling you, listen, if you're, when, when, when things are going good and you're still in this book and you're crying out to God, oh God, come, come speak to me, have your way in my heart. God, I, I don't know. And sometimes, you ever have those dry times when you open the book and you kind of go, all right. Have you ever go to pray and you're praying and you get up early and I don't pray. Can I be honest with you? I don't pray on my knees that much. That's your problem, Pastor Bubba. You know, because I've done that. And can I tell you something? I get up early in the morning and I go pray and I get on my knees. I get close to that couch or that chair. You know what I'm talking about? Lord, thank you. Oh, Lord, thank you. I'm praying. Lord, thank you. Lord, God bless you. Thank you for a new day. Thank you for. And then about two minutes later, you kind of you lean in more. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Sorry about that, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. You know, I got, I got to get up. I got to walk. Lord, thank you. Thank you. I walk around the house. My wife will see me pacing up and down my sidewalk. Lord, I'm just, you know, I'm doing this. You know why? Because I know if I get on my knees, I'm going out. I'm just being honest with you. And that's why we need to have perspective. The battlefield is the mind. And where does the enemy want to land on you? Right in your mind, right in the middle of a moment, right in the middle of a memory. And those things are just like, wait, wait, that was the past. But God, you promised me a bright and victorious future as I look to you. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? See, our strength comes from weakness. Let me read on. Are you with me? Good, two people. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for Christ. Who? We don't like that one, do we? He says, we are in the struggle together. You have seen my agony or my struggle in the past, and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. Paul asked for the thing, even asked for it to be taken away from him. Corinthians said, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. That's what the scripture says. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness. That's what he says in Corinthians. So that the power of Christ can work through me. Our strength comes from weakness. Say, strength comes from weakness. Come on, don't, don't peter out on me there. Strength comes from weakness. When I'm weak, I have to draw on his strength. Let's be honest. It's easier to do the wrong thing in our culture many times, isn't it? We can swim down. We can just float downstream with all the other dead fish. Or we can say, hey, you know what, God? Give me some life that I learned to swim against the current 
No matter if fish are bumping me down the way. Swimming upstream. You see, it's easy to give in, but pressure is a good thing. If you respond correctly under pressure, you will grow. How many of you want to grow? The way you stay strong is being positive. Looking to God. Stay purposeful. This is what you've called me to do, God. This is who I am. How many of you know who you are? Can I tell you who you are if you don't know? The Bible says you're a child of God. Son and daughter of the king. Some of you need to learn to go to God's dinner table with confidence and pull out the chair and say, I'm a child. I'm a son and daughter. There's no, listen, at my table, it doesn't matter if my kids have moved. There's a spot. There's that chair that invisibly has their name on it. You know what I'm talking about? And when we do a big dinner, they all, it's, it's crazy. They all go back to their spot. They go back to their spot. And the little ones have tried to steal spots, but they'll rearrange them where they belong. No, when I was in the house, this is where you used to sit. This is my chair. See, remember this. It isn't trials in and of themselves that grow you. It's how you respond in the pressure. It's how you respond. Maintain perspective. It's the way, if you respond the right way, you say, Pastor, well, what's the right way? Listen, sometimes responding, can I just be honest with you? Can I, can I just be really honest? Sometimes responding, God, I don't like this. That can be very spiritual. How does that look spiritual, Pastor? No, you're just being honest. God, I hate this, but I'm going to look to you. God, why are my kids always, they just like, Lord, I hate my children. You ever feel that way? I mean, I mean, don't say you said it, but just. I mean, you just don't like it. I got six of them. There's been moments and periods in my life. I don't like them. Can I be honest with you? I, I'd like, you know, I'd rent a child. You can rent mine. I'm serious. But the best thing you can do is be honest and be real. God, I hate this thing. I hate my situation. I hate this. But you come, you don't respond out of defeat. You respond in victory. You go, God, I hate my circumstances, but I know who you are. And I know that even though people are laughing at me and who I am and I failed and I'm a, I, they ridicule. But God, I want people to see you through my circumstances. And as I walk in you and I trust in you and I, and I allow you to control my life. And everything about me, you're going to see me through this. I don't see the end, but God, help me. Give me eyes to see. Give me Jesus' contact lenses that I begin to see things like you see them. Change my heart. Give me a Jesus pacemaker. And my heart begins to beat like your heart beats. Give me a vision for the lost, my family, my children that I hate. God, help me to love them. Help me to have a vision for them. Help me not to pray they die, but help me to pray that they live. Someone ought to get excited about Jesus around here. Because it has to, you got to come to that threshold where you cross the line. And see, that's what the enemy doesn't realize. When he puts you under pressure, sometimes you snap, but you snap right to God. You see, he wants you to snap the other way. 
people that hate God. They say they hate God, but they've just never met God. How many are you talking about? You see, that's what it's all about. If you're under pressure, stay strong. Get the right perspective. Stay purposeful. And walk the way God wants you to walk. It's okay to say, man, I'm facing some stuff. It's been, it's been hard. It's okay. It's okay. Hello. It's okay. You know the best times of communication that we've had with each other? When we've gone through pressure in our marriage. And most of the problems are mine. I'm going to be honest with you. They're me. I'm hard to live with, I promise you. Oh, Pastor Bob, you're so sweet. You don't know me. My wife's laughing anyway. <laughs> don't laugh too hard, babe. Anyway. And sometimes God gives you the gift of children that are just like you. To help you remember the grace of God on your own life. Hello? Why are they like that? And you ever have your mate? Because they're just like you. I didn't need to hear that. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I just thank you for everyone here this morning. I thank you that they got up this morning and said, man, I I just want to go. I want to get fed. I want to hear the word of God. I need something to change my life. I don't know their circumstances, but they fought to get here. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, that this morning that you would allow people to see that you love them, that you are for them, that you are with them. And no matter what they face, no matter where they've been, no matter the pain and the hurt and the difficulties, I thank you, God, as we look to you, as we realize that we're weak. We're weak. Say this to God with me. Say, I'm weak. Say it with me. Say, I'm weak. But through you, say it with me. I'm strong. And I pray that that would be something that would propel us for this week. No matter what we face, we know that we have weakness. We know we have shortcomings. But we thank you for your grace and your love and your power to get us through. That on the other side, we can look back and go, in my midst of my weakness, in the midst of me, my, 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 my circumstances, you got me through, God. And it was you. It was you. And I pray that for each person here this morning. God, you would reveal yourself strong and mighty. But God, you would heal those that have been at that place where they have faced things and they just need your, your strong hand. They need to be reminded that you love them. I pray that even right now, Holy Spirit, you'd come and you would just you'd put your arms around those that are walking through difficult moments. I pray that you would come to those right now that are facing trials and circumstances. Those that have lost perspective. They, 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 it's like 
they know, but they, they just hadn't been, they hadn't been in the game. And I pray that this morning, 